Hey, everybody. Good morning. Hey, can we give up for our tech team? You know, yeah, we celebrate them. Sometimes the only time you notice when things aren't working, you're like, hey, what's going on here? But honestly, these guys are awesome. Thank you guys for what you do. All of our team, they come early set up, and uh, uh, we have uh, some of them on the camera for all those tuning in uh, online. So thank you. Uh, welcome all those tuning in online. We're glad you're with us. We know you're going to enjoy today's service. And everyone in the theater, thanks for coming. But we love our team, and we just want to appreciate you guys. So uh, Gabe, Irving, thank you. Mar- um, Isabel running the camera, thank you. And then all the rest of, of the team that just is so faithful and set up the lights, the projector. It's awesome. We get to do what we get to do because we have an amazing team uh, just doing their part. And uh, the, the part we play is, is always smaller than, the, than what we're accomplishing, but it takes everybody together. So I'm just grateful for our team. If you're a guest, I just want to say welcome. Uh, my name is Eric Matoya, Pastor of the Grove, and we're thrilled you're here. We're in a series. Uh, it's called uh, The Ten Principles, and we're walking through the, t- the Ten Commandments and, and pulling out the principles within those. Um, I grew up in church, and when I grew up, growing up in church, you hear a lot of these, a lot of these teachings from the Old Testament, New Testament. You get these commandments, you get all of these rules and laws. And I remember one time I brought a friend to church, and he's like, "Man, you guys can't have any fun. Like everything you can't do." And uh, when I was young, I used to think that, like, "Man, God is just all these things He doesn't want us to do." But I didn't realize is there's a lot of commandments that He asked us to do, um, and there's a reason. And, and when it clicked in my head finally, because for a long time I thought that there's all these not to dos. Uh, just like trying, God's trying to take all our fun or something. And then I realized all of the things he says not to do uh, have a really big price tag. So my friend who said you can't have any fun, the fun he was talking about has a really, really big price tag that at the end of the day you really don't want to pay a lot of times because it's fun for a little while. But, the, but over time you begin to realize, wow, all that fun that I had really has not produced exactly what I want. And I really believe that's what the Bible is trying to help us to see, not just the immediate what feels good right now, but what is the, what's the consequence, what's the long-term result of these choices that we make. And so we've been going through the Ten. Uh, we're currently in the Eighth Commandment, so I'm going to do a little bit of review, but um, here's what it is. The Ten Commandments are all about relationship. I, in fact, I believe the whole Bible, that's what it's about. It's about relationship. You can sum it up with that one word. It's relationship with God, relationship with others. And so we've been walking through saying what if we figured out what the Ten Commandments uh, were, um, and what, what's behind them so we can begin to apply them to today. Because uh, sometimes when you read a commandment that's been around for thousands of years, you begin to think, well, that was just for them. That doesn't really apply to me. But if you know the principle behind it, you begin to understand it. So here's the, the last seven weeks. Uh, I'll let you catch up for our series. Uh, the, the principles are there. I'll put them up next. Uh, principle one, priority, purity, uh, humility, rest, honor, love. And then last week for the seventh commandment, we talked about no adultery. Uh, not to commit adultery, and we talked about really the principle behind that is intimacy. And intimacy just means closeness. That's about closeness with God, closeness with your spouse, and then even closeness with other relationships that you have in life. And we just talked about that. What does that look like? And so when we look at the commandment of, of adultery, we'd say uh, thou should not, have a, not, not commit adultery. That would be the, the commandment, but the principle behind it would be the intimacy. So we call it, there's the letter of the law, the commandment itself, and there's the spirit of the law, which means what's the intention behind that, that was given from the fir- in, the fir- in the first place. And so that was last week. We said this about relationships. Uh, healthy relationships don't just happen. They take work. And that's really the, the secret ingredient to any healthy relationship is, is work. It takes work to have a healthy relationship. And we also said any appetite that we feed will eventually get stronger. So if you have something in your life that you don't want in your life, you have to stop feeding it. You have to cut it out. Um, and that was part of last week, how do you, how do you stay close and not let things in your life? Because once you begin to let things in your life that, that you get appetite for, as long as you keep feeding it, it'll keep growing stronger. But as soon as you cut it off and starve it, it will eventually die off. 
And so that was with last week. And so this week, we're in the Eighth Commandment, found in Exodus 20, verse 15. And the commandment is this, you must not steal. So four words, pretty simple, you must not steal. And I think you're, like, you're wondering, like, okay, still, I, I get that. Like, that's not good. But me, does that really apply to me? Hopefully today I'm going to show you that all of us at some point have been guilty of this. And that sometimes we even, maybe with attitudes and, and thoughts, we can actually find ourselves in places that would lead to this if we're not careful. Um, Two weeks ago, we have one of our team members, uh, her car got broken into in Albuquerque, and they, they took her purse, uh, they took uh, a lot of money from her car, and they took other things, her personal personal things, um, in some cases that, you know, you can never get back, but some, some things like uh, she's got a passport and her license stolen, and so the thief that took that, and, and I loved her heart, so she posted that day, she was kind of bummed because, you know, somebody took that, and, and she's like, man, I should have known better, I shouldn't have left it, but in the same place, she was saying, I guess they needed it more than I needed it, because they obviously took it, and I think that's... Her heart is, is good in that sense, but it still is horrible when somebody takes from you something that doesn't belong to you, uh, belong to them. And uh, in, in this case, he didn't just steal uh, this person, he or she, didn't steal just possessions, just money, but they stole a lot. A lot goes with stealing, not just a physical thing, but there's more to it. There's an emotional reaction to it. Um, there, there's a lot. That, so uh, he took maybe some, something that was important to her, uh, something that was personal. Um, so that brings, that brings a little hurt, you know, could, could bring some other stuff. But more than that, it takes security from somebody. And just not like, man, somebody took something from me. They were in my vehicle doing these things, taking these things, and it's horrible. But then they also stole time. Whenever you've ever lost a wallet or you lost, you know, the phone calls you have to make, in this case, a passport, license, you have to go back to the DMV, get, spend that whole day there, right? You with me? And um, that takes a lot of time to, um, to get all this back. So it wasn't just possessions, but also time. And it, and it hurts. It hurts relationships. In fact, I think at the heart of, of stealing, it really trust is eroded. Uh, trust in that area of town, trust in people. Um, there, there's something that happens inside of you when something is taken that just changes and shifts. Like, man, there's something, something happened there, a transaction that wasn't healthy or good. But trust is, is, is eroded. Um, and, and really the principle behind the, the Eighth Commandment of that shall not, not steal is, is, is trust. I think that is the principle behind it. God is saying don't steal because there's something greater that's there. At, there's something greater at stake when you do steal that you're, lo- that you're hurting and you're losing. And this would be trust. And the reason is because trust is really key to relationships. I think it's the foundation to a lot of things in relationships. If you're going to have a healthy relationship, you have to have trust at the foundation there. Because if you don't trust that person, you'll never be able to, be able to, to grow in that relationship with them. I would say, in, in fact, the extent or the health of your relationship will only go as far as your trust. So if you have a little bit of trust with somebody, your relationship, you're only going to let them in a little bit. But if you can trust somebody with everything you have, like your whole life, you can have a really deep, in, uh, close relationship because you know that you, you, you're, you're giving a, um, a belief, a confidence in that person um, to not bring harm. And so in this case, I think it's, it's, it's trust. It's, um, I think another way to think about this would be like this. Um, so my kids, um, I have four of them. It would not be wise for me to give them the keys to my car and say, hey, would you go into town and take care of some errands for me, All right? Um, so my kids, 11, 9, 6, and 3. So how many of you guys think any one of those kids is ready to do that for me? Not a single one, right? So it wouldn't be reasonable for me to say, uh, here's the keys, go do whatever you want. Why? Well, one of them are out of age, but really, I, I don't know if I can trust them with something so big. That'd be, that's like a really dangerous thing that I would actually give to them, and I could potentially cause more harm to them and to others. And so really, it, it's a, it's a, um, it has to do with trust. And, and with our kids, what we're teaching them is we want, you, we want to know that we can trust you with things. And so if you can imagine uh, me holding a rope, right? And so my kids, and not that I'm leashing them in, but if there's this rope and relationship that's going, when they're really small, this rope is, I just give them a little bit of, of leeway, you know? They can go five feet ahead of me. 
or in stores or whatever, they have to be a little closer. But as they get older, I give them a little bit of responsibility, a little bit more rope in their life to do whatever they want. And at some point, when they're old enough, essentially, I'm going to get that rope and I'm going to say, here, your life is now yours. It's up to you to make wise choices and do what you want. Because I'm learning to trust them. I'm saying, would you tr- let, me, let, me, let me know I could trust you in these areas. And the areas that we can trust them, we give them more responsibility. And the areas that we don't know if we can trust them, we test it or we don't give them a lot of, of room to, to move. And so trust is a big part of relationships. All right, you with me? So uh, trust is the principle we're going to talk about. And I, I would say that the only reason anyone would still is because essentially they're, at the heart of it, they don't trust, trust that God could provide that thing for them. When somebody takes something that's not theirs, essentially the bigger message is they're saying, I don't trust that God could provide this for me. Like he's not, he's not a good guy. He's not, he doesn't want me to have this or, or maybe not necessarily want me to have it, but I'm going to get it for myself. I don't need anybody else. And it breaks, it breaks that trust. Um, in fact, in, in the Bible, there's this great story. People of Israel are, are, are rescued from Egypt as slaves. They go into the wilderness. God's trying to get them to the promised land. And because they, don't, they, they fail in these tests that he's given them, these, these moments to trust him, they actually have to wander for a long time. Um, and one of, the, one of the things he gave them to, sh- to show that they can trust him was this food that he provided every morning called manna. And manna was the substance that would show up on the ground, like the dew would come, and then it would, it would, it would, it would dry like, like a bread, um, a really thin bread, uh, and, and they would eat it. And so every day, God said, I'm going to provide for you. There's, there's thousands of people that are wandering through the wilderness. I'm going to provide for you every single day. And then here's what he said, I want, you to, I want you to trust me in this thing, all right? So he says, every day you go out and gather for your, what your family needs. Don't take more than what's needed, all right? Just take what's needed. And in fact, if you did take more, it would actually go, it would go bad. It would go rotten. Uh, it wouldn't last. And so every day they would go out and they'd gather manna, this, this bread that, to eat. Um, and then what's really great about the story is on the, on the sixth day, the day before Sabbath, he would provide double. And so he would say, go in and collect two portions for two days. So... For, for the, in this case, on Friday, and, and prepare for Saturday. And so, and then have some for Saturday. And the only day that the manna would not go bad was over Friday night into Saturday. So it was a miracle that God was performing on a, on a daily basis. So imagine you're wandering through the wilderness. You don't have any food to eat. God begins to provide for you every single day this food. And it was, it was a really a, a, um, a test of, of trust for them to they could trust God, but also see if God could trust them. And, and there were people that would break it. And he would say, how, how long are you not going to trust me? So I've been doing this every single day, but they were so afraid that he wasn't going to provide the next day, they would get more. But then it would go bad in their containers and it wasn't, wasn't any good because he, he was saying, you're not, you're not believing me for what, what I can give. I think in our culture, a part of what they struggle with is uh, maybe some fear of the future. But I think even in our culture, what's really dangerous is this, is this uh, attitude of entitlement that we believe that we, every, we, we own everything, everything belongs to us, that, that we're entitled to something that's not ours. And that can be very dangerous. We're going to talk a little about that in a while uh, because what bleeds into that is we begin to think that what somebody else has really is ours. And any moment we get into that, we can actually cross into this area of stealing and taking from somebody else uh, what they have. And we're going to see that God actually he encourages us to be hard workers, to work hard and give our, give, give our life and, and, and do the best we can. Ephesians 4.28, this is a portion of scripture of Paul's teaching the church in Ephesus. And he says this. He says, and he's talking to, to Christians and so in this city, there was, it, the, it was so poor that even some of these people were actually stilling to survive. And he's saying, all right, uh, you, you're now a Christ follower. You have to begin to act differently. Your standards are different now, so your behaviors have to be different. And what he says is, is this. He says, if you're a thief, quit stilling. So stop, stop stilling. Don't, don't, don't steal any all right, more. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. 
And what's interesting about this portion of, of, of uh, Scripture is right before it, he talks about telling lies, and he talks about not, not sinning when we get angry, which we talked about two weeks ago, right? Anger can lead to hate. Hate, hate can lead to murder. And so we have to really guard those attitudes. And then next week we're going to talk about lying, and uh, that's what he was saying is, is stop telling lies. Um, and, and, and it leads into this attitude of, of stealing. And really the attitude he's saying is it's not just taking, but it's, it's seeing that there's something bigger here that God has for you. It's this, this idea of, of trust. So the first one I would say uh, as we read the scriptures today is, is, is stop stealing. If you have been stealing, stop stealing. That's, that's what God would say is, is live a life where you trust him for all things. And if you don't have anything, don't take it. Just begin to trust God for greater things. Um, and, and God wants us to participate in this. And here's, here's the way we can begin to look at life. If we see life differently, you know, First uh, Chronicles 29, 11, and 12 uh, David says this in the, in, in the psalm. He says, Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor, they come from you. You are the ruler of all things. So David's saying, God, you provide everything. Everything that we have, it comes from you. Uh, so in, in the story of the, of the manna, essentially, if you're taking more than you, you, than you need, you're actually stealing from others that would need that also. So it's not just affecting you, it's actually affecting those around you. And I would say ultimately when we steal anything from anyone, it doesn't just affect, it doesn't just affect the person we're stealing from. It actually we're stealing from ourselves. We rob ourselves of something. Because there's another principle in the Bible that's called sowing and reaping. You, know, you plant a seed, apple, tree, apple seed, you get an apple tree, right? So if you plant a seed of, of theft and stealing, you can guarantee that some point down the road you're going to reap a, a tree of stealing and, and theft in your life. Like what you sow, you get back. Um, and in this, he's saying, just trust me in this. Don't, don't let these things, these attitudes seep into your life where you feel like you've been deprived of something and that, you, that you, it belongs to you or you, you need it. But just trust God in this. Uh, in fact, it, it, the, the commandment where he says, why don't you trust me? Why don't, it, why don't you believe that I'm going to do this for you? Why, do you? why do you doubt? And the whole idea is you're not trusting me in this journey. So let me, let me trust. So, um, so here's what we would say. Ultimately, like David said in First Chronicles, ultimately everything belongs to God and nothing belongs to us. This is, this is a, a really a radical a worldview that Christians have or should have, is that nothing belongs to us. It's, it all belongs to God. So essentially, we're just a steward. We're just a manager of whatever God puts in our hands. And eventually, it'll all go away. You know, how, how many of you ever seen a U-Haul behind a hearse in the funeral? Anybody? I've heard of stories of people that have. They like, took their U-Haul and they buried it with them in the ground and they lost all that. So that, that's horrible, right? Because essentially, that's, it's no good anyways. He doesn't own that person doesn't own it. It goes into the dust. It, it, it leaves. I heard one story about this lady who um, her husband wanted to take all the money with with him, and so she she said, okay, he died, and that was his request. So um, she sat, she let him take all the money, and so somebody said, are you crazy? Why did he's dead? He doesn't even know. She's like, that's okay. I wrote him a check. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant woman there. And uh, nothing we have, nothing we have will go with us after this life. And, and, and as, as, as we follow God, and uh, maybe you're, you're not a Christian today, I would, I would challenge you, this is the way we should see life. And this is, even if you're not, whether you're a Christian or not, God wants you to begin to see that the life you've been given is a gift. And he wants you to, to, to use it well, to steward it well, because um, everything belongs to God. And ultimately, whenever we steal from others, we are ultimately stealing from God because it belongs to him. And when we take something, really God is not going to bless us in that at all, because he's, he's, we, don't, we, we don't earn anything that, that is good in that. Um, we're, we're essentially when somebody steals, we're saying, we don't trust you enough, God, to provide this for me. So I'm going to take it for myself. And God is saying, I've given you, 
Um, and we'll talk about this in a little bit. I've given you your brain. I've given you hands. I've given you feet. Work hard. I've given you the skills to be able to do this and do it. Uh, Psalms 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. Everything is God's. We, we, this word that we use is called stewardship. A, a good, somebody who stewards well what God has given would be a good steward. So stewardship is the idea that it's just passing through our hands. So I have to live open-handed, saying, God, you, you've given it to me, and whenever you want me to pass it on, I pass it on. Whatever you want me to use, I use it. And God said, I'm looking for these people. In fact, Jesus would tell stories about people that he says, I, I gave them opportunities, I gave them talents, I give them these things in their lives to use for good. And the people that have taken what he's given and they use it for good, God blesses and gives them more. And, the, and the, in the story, story of the talents, the, the one that doesn't do good with what he's been given actually loses that and it's given to somebody else that has done good with it. Um, it, it it's it, it's this, this idea of, of trust. You know, we see, we see it in the, the very first story in the Bible where sin enters and somebody chooses to do wrong. It's over this idea of stealing. There's more to it. It's not just done, but stealing's a part of it. Why? Because God is with Adam and Eve in the garden. We don't know how long this, this period was. If it was days, if it was years, whatever. But he said, here's, here's all the trees in the garden. Eat of them. Enjoy them. They're good. But just that one in the middle there, that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't, don't do that one. That's reserved for me. Don't touch that one. Right? Don't, eat, don't eat of that one because the day you do, you'll surely die. And so he gave them free reign of everything except one. And as humans, why is it that we always want to focus in and hone in on the one thing we can't have? And the enemy got Eve to do that. So instead of focusing on all that's available, what, what is available, he caused her to look at what wasn't available. And I think this is part of what happens in our in attitudes when we, when we do still is uh, whenever anybody stills is they focus on what they don't have. They focus on something there rather than looking at what they do have. And it's really a bigger issue of saying, I don't trust you enough. And because uh, Satan begot, got Eve to question God's goodness, she messed up. Like she's essentially saying, I'm not going to trust God knows better than me. I'm going to... I'm going to go forward with my own decisions and do what I want to do rather than trusting him. And, and trust was broken. It's, it's a trust issue here. Relationships are hurt whenever we don't have trust going on. Um, we see this over and over throughout scriptures, over and over where, where God is inviting people to trust him. He tells Abraham, would you step into this new territory? I know it's unknown. You don't know what's going to happen. Just trust me. I'm going to lead you. He's wanting us to trust him in this, on this journey. And when we do well with what he's given us, he rewards us with, with, with blessings in life. Life goes well with us. Uh, John 10.10, one of the famous scriptures that uh, Jesus says about his purpose. He says this, that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. He's talking about the enemy, talking about the devil. Notice the first word he uses, the thief comes to what? Steal, to kill, and destroy. So he's saying there's an enemy that wants to steal and kill and destroy. And that's exactly what he did with Adam and Eve. He stole from them their future. He stole from them a healthy relationship with God. He stole from them by getting them to steal, getting them not to trust God. And ultimately, he's trying to break down because he knows if he can erode trust in people's lives, relationships get fragmented, they get torn, relationships erode, and there's nothing to stand upon, and, and they're broken. But notice Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The, the New Living uh, Translation says it like this, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. How many of you guys want a rich and satisfying life? Anybody out there? Yeah, I do. He said that's his purpose. He wants to give us a rich and satisfying life. And that's not just talking about money. That's talking about healthy relationships. It's talking about health. It's talking about opportunities to be able to do good with your life. But a rich and satisfying life, a better life than you ever dreamed of. That's all I like to say it. Like whatever life you've dreamt of, God is saying, I want to give you even better than that. Like more to it than just that. Um, so, so we see that 
the characters of the evil one is stealing. Right? A thief is to steal, kill, and destroy. So whenever somebody does take something that's not theirs, they're actually reflecting the enemy more than God. But God says, I want, you to, I want you to be different. In fact, over and over in scriptures, the word that he uses to uh, help us to know the action is to, is to be generous, to give. God so loved the world that he gave, right? One of the famous scriptures there, he wants us to give like he does. So Ephesians 4.28 says it like this. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Talk about that. So stop stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work. So the second part of this, I would say, is once you stop stealing, then you realize that God has given you two hands for, how does it say, for good, hard work. So work hard. Become hard workers. In fact, I believe the reason we're supposed to have Sabbath, the fourth commandment, is so we can work hard. Like work, hard work is really important. And, and when we work hard, we actually are satisfied in life. And people that still from, you know, it could be time. It could be from the company. In fact, I heard this. I heard um, a percentage, 79% of, of people surveyed um, said that they have either stolen or have considered stealing from their employer. Um, uh, one, one third of every business that closes down is, is closes down because of employees uh, stealing from that company through embezzlement, through whatever they're taking or their time, taking more hours. So a lot of reasons companies, not because not other people steal from it, but because people that work there steal for it. So it impacts, it, makes, it has a, a wide-reaching impact when people begin to steal. Um, I, don't, I, didn't think I, wrote, I don't think I wrote it down, but it was like, I think the number was $11 billion um, is lost every year to companies from people that steal things from them. $11 billion. Just because of stealing. Imagine those companies could make it and it got into like good things like feeding the poor and helping those that – and that would take care of – eradicate like hunger around the world. But it has an impact. And then you know, insurances. Man, my, my, my auto insurance has been going up the last year and a half uh, because of things that take place, right? Because cars getting broken into and it's being stolen. So the insurance have to like start making money so they start raising the prices. It affects us all when somebody says, yeah, you know, it, man, they, they, don't, they don't really need it that bad. It does. So he's saying, stop stealing and work, work hard. Learn to use your hands to work hard. He's giving you two hands, and it, it, he joins us. He wants us to join him in this journey of life. So this life is God's gift to us. What we do with it is our gift back to God. What are you doing with this life? If you're working hard and you're looking for opportunities to say, God, what do you, how do you want me to use this life? He'll give you more, more life. He'll give you more opportunities to serve and help others. So I would say this, that how much we have is not as important as, as what we're doing with what we do have. See, the enemy wants you to focus on what you don't have. I would say learn to focus on what you do have. And when you manage that well, you'll, you'll get more. Like if you're working hard, you're doing what, you're, what you need to do, what you're supposed to do, God will provide and give you more. Um, but those that, that only focus on what they don't have, they actually waste time, which would be stealing of your future, stealing of others, your employees' time, and you miss out on what you do have because you're focused on what you don't have. And that's always the enemy's strategy because he wants us to get focused on things that don't matter rather than what does matter. So in your hands, what's in your hands? Are you focused on those things in front of you? So maybe you don't have the best job, that your dream job that you always had, but you have a job. But focus on that. What can you do? And then how can you use, use what you do have to maybe create more other opportunities to do that? So Exodus 4.28, if you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, work hard, right? Um, and then give generously to others in need. So notice this progression. So he's saying, all right, so when you follow Christ, when you become a Christian, something has to change. Your behaviors have to change. But instead of taking, now I want you to work hard. And out of working hard, you're going to have the opportunity to partner with God to be generous with your life, to be generous. And I think he's given, a, he's given a strategy here to say, so go away from being entitled to somebody who's saying, I'm going to work hard, to then saying, I'm going to use what, what God has put in my hands to actually help others to be a blessing and, get, and do that. So stop stealing, work hard, and give generously. 
Stop stealing and work hard. Give generously. We get to participate by working hard and giving. I think this is a – and what's interesting is, is on one spectrum, you have stealing. That's, that's a reflection of the enemy. And the other spectrum, you have giving, which is a reflection of God and generosity. And when we trust him in this, he always blesses us. In fact, I would say one area that people don't realize that when it comes to stealing um, is, is the area of how we manage, manage things in our lives, whether it's time, our finances, our talents. When we don't manage those well, we actually are stealing from ourselves. We're stealing from God, stealing from others. In fact, one passage in Malachi where God has wanted us to trust him, it's, it's the only place that he tells us to test him in something. And it has to do with our finances. He says, trust me in this. Would you, would you test? He says, test me in this. Trust me that if you'll put me first in your giving, I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings upon you. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty amazing. Windows of heaven with blessings poured out upon us. Now, I'm just talking about money. I'm talking about healthy relationships. I'm talking about opportunities, doors to open up that you can never open for yourselves. Like he, he steps in and does something amazing. But it's all in the context of how we handle things. In fact, the first murder in the Bible um, had to do with, with uh, two offerings that weren't what, how they managed their lives, how they managed their resources. So Cain, uh, he offers, it says that Cain throughout the course of time just kind of brought stuff and offered it to God. Like, here you go. Here's some of my stuff that I have. But his brother Abel, it says that he brought his first fruits. So he brought the very first. So like his animal had a, had a baby and he brought that and gave it to God as an offering. It's like, well, don't you wait for the animal to have a ton of things and then you give it to him? And, and God is saying, no, the principle is that you put him first, right? It's called the tithe. It's saying, we put you first, God. And then God says, I'll do more with the 90 that you have left than you could do with the 100. And God essentially, he redeems that other portion and says, because you put me first, now I'm going to bless the rest of it. And, 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 and God says, if you'll trust me in these areas of life, just trust me in the way you manage your time, the way you manage your, your resources, the way you manage your relationships. If you'll do it my way, that it works out, it'll work out better for you. And so he invites us to just lead it, to, to follow his lead in all these different areas. And, and I would just, I would challenge you in this area of your resources. When you think it's yours, it's, we tend to hold on to things. You know, well, no, that's mine. No, it's God's. It's God's. It's all God's. So learn to just say, I'm going to trust you in this. And when, when somebody becomes, uh, what I love about our church is we have a lot of people that um, have come to, come to the Grove, don't really know anything about the Bible, know about God, maybe haven't been in church for a long time. And then they get on this journey of saying, God, I'm going to trust you. One of the things I love when they take that first step when it comes to their finances, when it comes to their time, they begin to give God their best, their first, how God blesses them and what God does in their life. It's amazing to see it. I love the stories. I love to hear how God does it because God always responds appropriately when we say, God, you're first. I trust you. Throughout scriptures, over and over and over, that's what he's saying. He's saying, would you trust me? Not everything's easy, but when you trust me, the outcome is always great. So, Daniel, you're going to face a lion's den, but trust me, you're going to have this great outcome. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you're going to face a fiery furnace, but trust me, there's going to be something better there. Over and over and over, people of Israel, you're going to have to wander for a little while, but just trust me, I'm trying to develop something in your life. And what he's trying to get to is our heart to trust him as a good father. It's me saying, God, I don't have this right now, so either you don't want me to have it, or it's not time to have it, or I can't manage it, so you haven't given it to me. So really the prayer should be not, God, give me this, but God, what is your will in this? All right, so I really want these things, but what do you want? So I don't have a million dollars right now in my bank account. Well, I haven't earned it, one. Maybe two, I wouldn't be able to manage it. You know, we think like we've got all this money right away, we do really well. 96% of, of lottery winners are bankrupt within a couple of years, right? Why? Because they weren't able to manage what they had now. Why would we think they can manage a whole lot more of it? 
So if you can't manage the $100 now, why would you think God would give you $10,000? Right? So manage what you do have, and then God will help you to see that. And this goes beyond money. It goes to relationships. It goes to your job. When you're a good employee and you work hard, and you might think, like, nobody notices. No, we do. People notice. The boss notices. Maybe not initially, but they will over time. Like, they, they, you'll see it. Something will take place. And I really believe what it is that God is saying, I will pour out blessings upon you when you honor me with your life. And what, what man can't do, I'll do. I'll step in. And that's what this whole thing is about, is saying, God, I want to trust you with my life to see you do more with me, through me, than I could do on my own. I want to trust you with my life so you can do more in me. So here's my challenge for today. This is my challenge. Um, would you trust, trust God through your actions? You, know, you, you, can, you can be generous through your time. Uh, give of your time, of your talents. You give, give, be generous with your finances. Um, you can be generous with your relationships. Just, just l- trust God in those actions that you do. And whenever you're faced with something where you say, you know, I don't know if I can, I, 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 don't, I, I really want that, but, man, I've got to cut corners. I've got to be dishonest. I've got to make an a, a immoral choice to get that. I would say don't. Don't, don't trade that's too high of a price tag. It's kind of like my story in the beginning, my, my, my kids, right? It, it's too high of a price tag for me to give them the keys right now and they don't ha- aren't ready for it. How many of you, um, let me say it like this. It's possible that God has the keys for something amazing in your life and he's ready to give them to you, but you haven't been trustworthy, so he's saying, I've got to hold off a little bit. Like, you're just not ready for this because actually this would hurt you more. So, so my son, Joaquin, Joaquin, Man, I, I can't give you this keys to the car right now because it will actually cause you more pain in your life. But if you show me that you're trustworthy, you do all the necessary steps, and you use your, use your, you're responsible, there'll be a point where I give it and say, I trust you. God is the same way. He said, I have so much for you. If you'll just trust me in all these areas of your life, you'll begin to see that I'll give you the keys to those things. What's interesting about a key is it's the very small thing that opens up a very big thing. How you, how, how you use your life... Those little moments that you think nobody else is watching is a very small key that opens up a very big door. Keys are small, but they open up big doors. I think, I think in, in this series, I'm trying to give you keys to healthy relationships with God and with others. And if you'll take those keys and say, I'm going to use what I've been given wisely, you'll begin to see bigger doors open for you. And God will honor it. So don't still work hard. Give generously. Know that you reflect God. When you, 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 we don't reflect God any more in our lives than when we're generous with our lives and we give because that's what he does. He gives generously. Um, so trust God in all your actions and, and, and just see that go on the journey with him. Go on the journey with us. We'd love to, love to partner with you, help you on this, to, to see all that God wants you to become. So here's, here's the other thing I want to just say as we close up. I would say make things right. If you have stolen, if something has been, something in your life is, is, not, is not right, I would go make things right. Uh, the people of, of uh, Israel were the, one of the only nations in that time that didn't have uh, for stealing that you wouldn't get killed. In fact, um, God instituted something different called restitution. So for somebody that stole, they had to make things right by giving back five times, four or five times what they took to make things right. And really restitution means to restore to the original condition, to remove guilt and shame so we don't have to live with guilt anymore. So I would say make things right so you don't have to live with guilt about whatever, whatever's happened in your life. You don't have to live with those things. And in this case, God is saying if you have stole, like would you be, would you be honest enough to say, God, I've, I've not been honest with my life. Like I've taken things. I've, taken, I've not used my life healthy or wisely. I want, I want, I want your help in this. And so today I want to I give you an opportunity to challenge that if you're here today um, 
and you're not in a relationship with God, maybe you don't trust God at all. You're like, man, I just never trust God. I don't think he has the best for my life. I would say the first step is just to be in the, to say, God, I, I want to try this out. I want to have a healthy relationship with you. What does this look like? And the commandments in the Bible, and over, God is trying to say, if you trust me, I'll show you that your life will turn out way more, way better than if you just do it on your, do it on your own. The choice is yours, but if you trust me. And today I want, to, I want to ask you, if you're in that place where you're ready to say, I want to trust God with my life. Today I want to help you on this journey. Uh, the Bible says that if we confess our part of it, like if we confess that we're sinners, that we've broken God's commands, that we, we're far from him, that, that humility opens the door for God to say, I hear you, I receive you, I, I forgive you, come back. And today there's some of us in this room that we're far from God, we're not living the life God wants us to, and today he's saying, would you come back? Would you give me your life? Would you make things right? And the awesome thing, confess that God hears, he responds like a loving father, a good father says, I forgive you. Man, let's go make things right. Let's go do something better with your life now. So that's you. Do me a favor. Close your eyes and bow your head today. I'm going to invite those that would want, would want to respond. I'm not going to call you to the front. Just right there in your seat. I would love to lead you in a prayer. It's just a prayer of relationship saying, God, forgive me. Help me to change the way I'm living to, to follow you. The word the Bible uses, making things right, is called repentance. That you stop doing what you're doing that's not working and you turn around and go the other way towards God and what does work. So if you're here today, you say, that's me, I need to make things right. I'm not living the life God wants me to. I want relationship with him. I want to start this journey of trying to trust him, of starting to trust him. Because I promise you, when you begin to live it, he's always, he's always been trustworthy. And it always works. So if that's you, would you do me a favor? Just raise your hand. Let me know you're here today. Awesome. I see your hands. Awesome. Awesome. Anybody else? Quite a few hands went up. Anybody else here say, that's me? What's great is when you do this, you're not, you're not raising your hand to me. You're raising your hand to God saying, God, I need you in this. When, when you, all of you that raise your hand, when, when people have made that decision when you're at, it's amazing to see when they continue walking that direction towards God, what God does in their lives. And I'm, my story is a reflection of that. There was a point in our lives where we made a decision to follow God, and he changed everything. If you, if you raise your hand, when, let me lead you in this prayer. If you're a Christ follower, would you join us in praying so they're not praying alone? If you, if you pray that, if you raise your hand, pray this prayer with me. Say, Father God, today I admit that I need your help. God, I, I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my choices that have led me away from you. I believe you sent your son, Jesus, to die on that cross so I could have forgiveness. He died in my place so I could have a relationship with you. Forgive me of my past. Help me to walk into a brighter future. Help me to trust you with everything I have. Help me to live open-handed. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate those that prayed that prayer today.